Behind the scenes, Kindred Bravely employs more than two dozen work-at-home moms who share their founder Deanne's mission and values. Their brand mission states, we are grateful, generous, brave, encouraging. Along with delivering top-of-the-line clothing, the KB moms provide incredible customer service, share quality content, and engage with their social media communities. You gotta try their comfy-as-heck maternity and nursing outfits. You will not be disappointed. Use promo code HUSTLE20 to save 20% off your purchase at kindredbravely.com. Some exclusions apply. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Roman. I am back today with another solo, solo show with just me hopping on the mic today. I'm currently actually recording this a couple of days before Evie's wedding in August, and she's out of office right now for obvious reasons. She's getting married. And uh, when you're actually listening to this, by the time this comes out, I will be on maternity leave, snuggling my little babe. So we've decided to split up some solo shows for just this fall season and do some deep dives into separate Q&As. Because there's a lot of fun personal things that we don't always like it just doesn't make sense always for us to do solo shows together on um, and talk about together. So we figured it'd be super fun to do some of these separate solo shows to really tackle different topics that apply more specifically to me or more specifically to Evie individually than together. So I pulled you guys a couple of weeks ago and got some incredible questions. I am so stoked to answer. Seriously, like there were too many good ones. So I'll try to go fast on this episode, but real talk, we're going to We're going to cover a lot of territory today. I'm just forewarning you uh, from personal life updates, like how our building, our home on our Florida land is going to our current Kansas renovation. Try to uh, rein in my sass on that one because it's been been fun. Can you hit my sarcasm there? (laughs) To questions like, what's my work-life schedule like as a mom? Or how do I prep for big course launches? And then ending out on the episode with some very, very powerful heart talks, like I always love answering questions like, how do you discern between what you think you want for your life versus what God wants for your life? And how to not feel like you're begging for attention every time you post on Instagram? Guys, guys, I am fired up already. Okay, I'll stop talking on this intro so we can get to the good stuff. Cue the music. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right. Hello. It's just Lindsay here. This is so weird. We don't do a ton of solo shows super often. So when we do, it's just like, and when I say solo shows, I mean like, Evie's not here. I'm just, I'm just alone. It's just me and you today. I, I don't know how people podcast alone. Like genuinely, like how they ha- like have one host and like this is a normal occurrence. This just feels so weird. Anyways, <laughs> let's dive in. Okay, the first question comes from Rachel, which is, She asks, what is an average day schedule for you? Like, how do you break up work hours versus mom hours? So Rachel, that's a really great question. Um, And my other Q&A focuses a lot more on just like really deep diving into the mom business maternity leave category. But um, this one, to answer it, I would say what helps me out a ton is really focusing on being all in on the thing that I'm doing. So whether that's Eloise and parenting and being all in there, or if it's work being all in there and not trying to just like half-ass them at the same time because it that's just not the, the uh, capability that I'm able to do. And I will say when she was younger, when Eloise was younger, it was genuinely easier to multitask. Um, like before she could crawl, she could sit or play on like a rocker or just like on like the floor doing tummy time or something like that while I worked. And And then even, I would say, even when she started walking before she was like, a two-year-old, there was a time where like, I still was able to do coaching calls. I was still able to do meetings where she just wasn't of the age yet where she really needed like a ton of undivided attention. If any mom of like a two-year-old is listening to this, you feel me. (laughs) But, um, where I could, I could genuinely watch her and work at the same time. And that was kind of when Andrew was still in the military. If anybody doesn't know, 
he was in the Coast Guard up until about September 2020. Um, and that's kind of how we made it work. Like I, I didn't have another choice. Like he sometimes was on a boat for months at a time and I still had to work. So when she was younger, I definitely did a lot of more multitasking. Um, and now that she's two, um, (laughs) I pretty much cannot actively work and be watching her at the same time. Like just, she needs slash wants more attention as she should. Like I, and I don't want to be that mom. That's like, she's asking me to read her a book and I'm just like, no, honey, hold on. Like, I got to do this, which like that's, there's going to be moments where that happens. And I try to minimize them as much as possible. But again, going back to the beginning of this question, like I really try to implement boundaries and focus on one thing at a time and not trying to multitask both of them. Um, the only thing I would say that I kind of can do while I'm watching her is maybe post on Instagram. But even then it's just like the principle of like, being fully present when you're with your kids. I think there's something so valuable about that and really just being present with them versus not like always being on your phone. Like I don't want her to grow up learning that mommy's always on her phone and that her phone is more important than she is because that's not the case at all. So implementing that boundary is is big. Um, and then some practical tips that I would say is I try to implement office hours um, and then work with Andrew to plan our weeks in advance to know like who's watching her when, whether it's me, whether it's him, whether it's a babysitter or family or daycare or something like that. So usually what we do is over the weekend, it usually happens on Sunday. Sunday's like our family plan day. Um, We will look at my calendar, like my weekly schedule, see if I have any coaching calls, if I have any meetings or or not not even things like that, but like deep work tasks that I have to get done that I genuinely cannot be watching Eloise during that time. So during that, Andrew knows, okay, he has to be watching her during those hours, or we need to find a sitter or something for those hours if he is working on something else. Um, So that's kind of what we do. And that means that a lot of times I work less than a 40-hour week, like like a normal maybe entrepreneur who is a mom, right? Um, We just don't have the same flexibility. <laughs> but that's that's how it works. You got to make it work, right? So, um I'm also I will say I'm so freaking fortunate to have Andrew. I know my situation is not what a lot of people have. Like most parents both work. And that was our case before Andrew got out of the military and that decision to have him leave the Coast Guard was a big one that we made together because we we knew that my business was going to grow and we knew that as she got older it would be hard to multitask. And we didn't want uh, her to go to like daycare literally like 40 hours a week. That just wasn't something that we wanted. And Andrew was really sick of being gone all the time, missing like months out of her life. Um, So that was just a personal choice that we made for him to get out of the military. So now he's pretty much just stay-at-home dad, but also does, I would say, most of the housework. And right now in this season, which I'll get to this in a later question, we're kind of wrapping up our Kansas house renovation. So he's just like everything that he's doing is also like a full-time job. Um, so we, we make it work, but we balance. And I think planning in advance really, really helps. And then just being intentional with that time, like to make sure, Hey, if I'm working, I'm in my office and somebody else is watching Eloise. And when I'm not working, I'm a hundred percent with Eloise and with my family. So trying not to blur those lines, I think is the best thing you can do. All right, man. I'm realizing when I'm talking like just on my own, like, and I can't breathe because Evie isn't here to talk also, like, just like run out of breath. Like maybe that's, that's probably pregnancy. No, that, that, that is, that's pregnancy. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Alicia asks, describe your editing style and how you found it. By the way, I love your presets. Thank you, Alicia. That's so sweet. See, this is like a question that like, obviously me and Evie would not answer on like a, a joint solo show. Cause that makes no sense. Um, but now that you're just getting me on the mic, thank you so much. I genuinely appreciate that. Uh, if you don't know, I have presets, you can get them at lindsroman.com forward slash presets. Um, but to answer the question of how I found my style, when I first started my business as photography, as photography, as a photographer, there we go. Um, I remember struggling like heck before I found presets or or before I even knew what presets were. Like I would try, I just had a vision of what my style wanted to be. And at the very beginning, I remember I wanted it to be like this super light and airy film style. Like, you know, those like super, like it's so light that it's like almost looks like heaven descended on a photograph, (laughs) but like film 
that's what I wanted. Um, and then as I tried to dabble in that, I was like, that does not accurately represent me. I'm just trying to attain a style that I think is cool, but it didn't, it just didn't resonate with who I was as a person. So, um, I kept searching for different, uh, presets at the time. I tried Mastin Lab for a while. Mm, didn't like those. And I, I don't know. I just kept going. And like, what I basically found out is like, presets will only get you so far, but you really got to still like hone in on your own style and figure out what it is you like and what naturally attracts you to a photograph. So for me, I started, which is ironic that I originally loved light and airy and like film, like light, whatever photography, because (laughs) what I realized was I naturally started gravitating towards more deep, rich tones, um, with a lot of contrast, but not overly contrasted. So that's kind of where I found my magic, like magic sauce, I guess. I found some presets that gave me a good base. And then I just like tweaked from there. And I will say, once you find presets that like are a good fit for you, that you can kind of work magic off of that helped me really try truly hone in my style. So, um, I would say, since then, it, it hasn't, I mean, it's it's varied a little bit over the years, especially as I've scaled back photography. And now most of my photography work is photos of me and my baby and <laughs> our family, but it still hasn't changed. I still use the same uh, presets, which are mine, um, that I now tweaked. But I, I would say it's like rich and I, I want it to be true to life. I never want my photos to look like in 50 years, they're going to look dated like, oh, that was the style then. Like, that's just not the look that you want. Um, and I think there are some photography trends now that like, I think will I think will will look like that. Like, I'm talking about like overly dark and moody or like overly warm. You know, you've, anyone feel me on that? <laughs> like, where it just looks like if you looked at that photo in 50 years, you're going to be like, yikes. Not because it's a bad photo, but because of the editing. That's I wanted to avoid that. So I try to make it rich and creamy and vibey and a little bit dark just because that's where my personality and just style naturally goes. However, I still want it to be true to life. And someone described it. I think I had a coaching call once where she described my style and she was like, it looks like you just have, like it's true to life, but you just like sprinkle a little magic on it. I'm like, that's so perfect. That's so perfect. Anyways, that's the answer to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Anna asks, what's your funniest home renovation story so far? Oh, Anna. Okay. Here we go. Uh, she's talking about our Kansas house renovation, which if you don't know my story, uh, we lived in Hawaii. We're, we're from Kansas and we lived in Hawaii for three plus years. And this spring of 2021, we moved back home to Kansas and bought a house, completely renovated it. Like it's, it was almost a new build, but, but, but just shy of that. Uh, but it was like an old house built in the 1910s and we renovated it from an illegal duplex to a single family home. So before it was like two apartments, one upstairs, one below. Um, and the only way you could get to the upstairs apartment was through a jankety, jankety staircase on the outside of the building. Uh, it was awful, but it had good bones. And we were like, yes, especially for the location in our town was a great price. So we, we jumped on it. Um, but I will just say it was a lot. It, we bit off more than we could chew easily, easily. Um, and I like how this question asks for what's your funniest home renovation story, because maybe all of these stories that I'm thinking of will be funny in like three years, hopefully. But right now, uh, the wounds are still fresh, Anna. So, uh, they are, I'm just, I'm sitting here trying not to be bitter. You know, I'm trying to have a good attitude about this house. Um, cause it, it genuinely is such a blessing, but you know, when you're just like dealing with a lot and it's fresh, you're just like in that season where you're just like, mm. okay, but I'll try to here. I'll give you some funny stories or well, funny light on that word. Uh, the genuinely most funny one I'll start off with, which uh, we plan to have a uh, shiplap in our mudroom. And <laughs> I'm the kind of person where when I get an idea visually, it, it's that's it. It's in my mind. That's what's happening. And then if anything changes, I'm like, absolutely not. The world has ended. So what happened? It was literally like a miscommunication of like probably 30 minutes between our contractor and the person who installed the shiplap. But um, our contractor knew that I wanted vertical shiplap. 
because I, hey, listen, I love me some Joanna Gaines, but, but not visually. She has a little bit too much of a farmhousey style and horizontal shiplap is very farmhousey. And I just was not going for that direction. Vertical shiplap, in my opinion, is where it is at. It's very modern. It's very, well, I don't even know. Regardless, I got a text from Andrew because he was working on the house and he showed me, he's like, hey, shiplap's in and sends me a picture and it was horizontal. And I, guys, I flipped my S-H-I-T. I was not a good wife. I was not a good person that day. I was not, <laughs> I needed some inner work after that day because like, Again, once I had my mindset on something, I was like, oh my gosh, they did it all wrong. It's horizontal. How dare they? Um, and yeah, so Andrew, being the saint of a husband that he is, literally like went and fixed it over the weekend uh, a few days later so that it would be vertical, um, which was great. So that's like maybe a funny one that like, I. <laughs> but uh, if I could just go down a list, I guess, um, our contractor, who is Andrew's brother, broke his leg uh, while working on our house. And when I say broke, like he broke it, like he dislocated and broke it. It was bad. So God's just been teaching us a lot. Like we had a timeline and then it got pushed back like astronomically. And then he broke his leg, which even, you know, pushed it back astronomically. So that maybe will be funny in the future, but also maybe not. Uh <laughs> I would also say the biggest mistake we made was moving to Kansas way before the house was done, uh, which was just stupid in my opinion. However, a lot of God things happened that I, I don't regret happening, um, like our Florida land, which I'll talk about that later. But uh, it, it just in general, don't ever renovate a house and then leave your current house before the renovation's done. Because what happens then is that you're homeless. <laughs> And uh, that lasted for about six months. So it was just not ideal. But anyways, I digress. The The latest one that really, truly has me bitter um, that I'm really trying to work on with the Lord <laughs> is uh, our house is old, right? I said it was built in the 1910s. And that means we have clay pipes, like clay sewer pipes that go under the house to like the city's sewer line. I don't, I'm talking about things that I don't really know about, but I've been told. So that's just, I think that's how that works. Um, and <laughs> we I feel like three days, I mean, not three days, like three weeks into living at this house. Uh, I took a bath upstairs and didn't go downstairs like for the evening after I took that bath, went to bed. We woke up the next morning and came downstairs and it, the, there was like still water in the hallway by the downstairs bathroom but it didn't look like it had obviously gone out of the downstairs bathroom. And we were just like, what, what, what? And you could tell it was obviously like, it was not fresh water. It had stayed there overnight. Um, and so what that did was ruin the floors that had literally just been put in. Um, and we called our plumbers. They figured out what the problem was. Basically the clay pipes that lead from the house to the city, like to take the water away, uh, collapsed. So what was happening was like, anytime we used the water, it was coming back up into our pipes, which the lowest point of entry was our toilet in the downstairs bathroom. So it was overflowing. Uh, and I really, 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 really wanted to blame the plumbers for doing a shoddy job, but that's just truly not the case. Uh, it just, it was like a blurry line of whether or not that was in their jurisdiction of like, is that actually technically their responsibility? Um, and when it's not obviously someone's fault, the homeowner pays for it, which is fun. Yay, adulting. Okay, I'm gonna move on from this question because the more I talk about the bad things about this house, the more angry I get. Um, <laughs> no, but really, like, okay, I'll leave it on a good note. This house has been such a blessing and the Lord has been using it just to give me patience, teach me patience and teach me to be humble, to be, teach me to be thankful, teach me to be grateful. So truly, I need to stop complaining. But if anybody is going through a renovation or has in the past and has jumped hurdle after hurdle after hurdle, whether it's aesthetic or or uh, pipe breaks and you have to pay thousands of dollars, uh, you understand. <laughs> All right. Moving on to a business uh, question. Megan asks, how do you prepare for a big launch? What is your process? All right. Legit, this question could be, quite honestly, an entire podcast episode. Um, so... <laughs> I'm going to bullet point this and 
try to make it succinct. So the first one I would say is when you're preparing for a launch of a course or a product or something like that, prime your audience. So no matter what you're launching, if you want it to go successfully, I think you need a bought-in audience, meaning that people follow you on social, they are on your email list, you have people that have purchased from you in the past and just generally love the crap out of you so much. Because if you're going to try to sell something to somebody online, you need that trust established, right? So in order to establish that trust, you need to serve them before you start to sell to them. So serve via your social channels, uh, your blog, your email list. You could create PDF freebies, which is a great way to get people on your list. But just start establishing yourself as an authority figure in in the arena of whatever you're selling, right? Um, And then figure out how to create that trust and credibility between you and your audience. Um, Because again, you want to serve them with so much free content that they're going to be like, wow, I love her. I love or him. I love following them. They're awesome. Um, And then by the time that you do sell something that is paid, they have already established that trust with you. Um, yeah, that's that's the first point. Number two is plan your launch in advance. Every time that we've done a launch for the Heart University or I've done a launch individually under my own brand, I have like I have to have a plan. Like especially if you're outsourcing any part of it, like your Facebook ads or your copywriting or your sales page design. Like if you're doing anything that doesn't like that other people have to do, you have to have some sort of a plan of action. Um, or even if you have a team working for you, like that are just employees that work for you, like a VA or someone like that, um, you have to have kind of a game plan going into a launch. So I would say pick your launch date first, um, far enough in advance to get everything done and then work backwards from there, putting timeframes and deadlines in for each task. Um, just because like, there's been a lot of times where we pick a date um, and we're like, it's this date. And then we don't actually like do the work to figure out how long it's going to take to get everything done in order for that launch. And then you're stressed and then your crunch time comes and then you're like, ah, so pick a date and then actually do the work to figure out, Hey, everything list, everything that needs to get done, how long it's going to take, give yourself deadlines. And if that doesn't match up and you don't have enough time, then you need to push back your launch date. That's what my advice always is. Um, but next I would say delegate who is responsible for doing what part of the launch. So for example, for our summer launches, we had the caption playbook, wow, words, the caption playbook subscription service and the Instagram major and reels minor courses. And Evie and I delegated the tasks between ourselves as well as to our team. Like we weren't, like not every single person was doing everything, which seems obvious to like not have everyone doing everything, but you never know. Sometimes that's not obvious. For example, I was responsible for giving our web designer, Sarah, notes on the sales page. Like Evie didn't have a hand in that at all because we've learned that especially with a business partnership, two cooks in the kitchen on like a simple task that both of us would probably make the same decisions on just is is more of a mess, right? So delegation between our roles was crucial. Um, And just really identifying who's doing what in this launch process, especially if you're outsourcing or especially if you have team members as well. And then last point, on this question is have a marketing plan in place for how you're going to sell the course or the product, right? Like have a plan, not even just like a logistical timeline plan, but just a plan of action of how are you going to actually sell this thing? Like, especially if it's a big ticket item, meaning expensive, how are you going to get people to buy it from you? Because you have to do more than just have served them generally in the past, which I know is point number one of like serve them, create buy-in. Like that's a great foundation and establishment, but leading up to the launch, like immediately before launch, how are you going to get people to actually put cash money down in exchange for whatever you're launching? So what I've always done in the past is directly up to a lead up of a launch of a paid product, I you have to give something away for free. Um, so for example, this summer when we launched the Instagram major, we hosted the caption bootcamp, which was a three-day challenge where Evie and I taught all the attendees basically everything we knew on caption like Instagram caption strategy. And then at the end of day three, we launched the Instagram major and, and basically gave the attendees of the bootcamp a discount, right? Um, and so whatever you're doing or whatever you're giving away for free, whether it's a challenge or a webinar, or maybe it's like a, a sample of your course or of your product or something like that, you, you need to make sure that the thing that you're giving away for free is actually genuinely valuable. Like genuinely, like they should have paid for that alone. Like that's how valuable you want to make it because if the thing that you're giving away for free before your launch is super freaking valuable, that's going to tell consumers like, oh, wow, hold on. 
I just learned a crap ton from this or maybe not learned. It could be anything. Like I just got so much value from this thing that I just consumed or, or was given for free. I now need the paid offer or I now need this because this is like the next step. Um, so that's what I would recommend for preparing for a launch. That was kind of a lot, but again, we could literally have an entire episode on that question. All right. Another question from Anna. Do you have a goal to be fully hands off on all of your businesses eventually, or do you think you'll always want to be a part of them? Ooh, okay. That's a good question, Anna. I For my business like Lindsay Roman and for the Heart University, I don't think I can ever be 100% hands off with that, with either of those, just because that's literally, like both of those businesses are like me, 100%. I mean, and maybe the heart can scale to a point where I'm not so intimately involved with my face which I, I could just, I, I could see that happening. However, I, I, I don't think I would want to be 100% hands-off, like completely. Like, yes, more scalable to where we have a team under me and all of that, probably the heart more so than my business, but still, um, I wouldn't want to be 100% hands-off. Um, however, I could totally see, especially with what Andrew and I want to do in the future of just like, if we start our own business or purchase a business in the future where we hire on managers and then we're just maybe owners. I could totally see that scenario where it's, it's less attached to my face and we're like, say we buy like a donut shop or something like, yeah, like that doesn't, I don't have to be the face of that. I don't have to be intimately involved with that. I can just own the donut shop and Andrew and me can hire on a manager to like manage it. And then we just own it. Something like that where like, absolutely. I would love to just be a little bit hands off with most of those things. All right, entrepreneurs, let's face it. You're in a pickle. You're not attracting your ideal clients because your brand visuals are just meh at best. And you're not showing up as the professional ready to make their life 500 times better. Do you honestly feel like your website just sucks? Like your branding feels like you created it in Microsoft's Paint. Anyone else remember Microsoft's Paint? Is that just me? <laughs> okay. And your, your client experience just overall feels like it's seriously lacking and you just need a change right now. But let's be honest, you're not ready to drop 8K on a custom web and brand design. Well, don't worry, that's where we come in. Introducing the solution to all of your website struggles, the Heart Shop website templates. Now we spent hours designing these customizable, professional and conversion intense website templates with our incredible designer, Sarah Crook of Elizabeth Designs. They are so incredibly easy to use and customize with ShowIt's user-friendly interface. Yes, by the way, you can easily learn how to work with ShowIt even if you've never touched a website or any design platform before and you can change literally anything you want. No more being limited to squares on your website. It's a drag and drop system that is freaking easy and looks incredible. Oh, oh, you want more information? Cool, I got you. The templates come already SEO optimized with copy prompts from Lindsay and I included. Yeah, you don't just get nonsensical filler text. You get bomb education and prompts from Lindsay and I to help you wow your potential clients and crush your website copy. And we designed a variety of these in different styles so you can find the closest match and then tweak it to make it fully your own. If you're ready to save thousands of dollars and hours upon hours upon hours of your time and get clients flooding through your website, you need to check these out. So grab yours at theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. Hey, photographers, this one's for you. Real talk, have you ever felt like your photos just look stale? Like they lacked the oomph that you're looking for? Ever feel like you're not just like fully capturing the life and energy and story of your clients, but you just don't know how to fix it? Well, we've got some magic sauce for you, my friend. Meet your new best friend, The Posing Miner, our online course for photographers showing you how to capture those jaw-dropping, authentic photos of your clients that will leave them in tears because you capture them in the moment so perfectly. Yes, it is packed full with six course episodes, over 232 minutes of video content, and three bonus PDFs. Lindsay and I take you out into the field with us. Like, no, literally, we, <laughs> we go into some fields and we walk you through step-by-step step how to pose families, couples, portraits or seniors, wedding parties, and a wedding couple. So if you are ready to say bye-bye to brain farts in the middle of your photo sessions, awkward silences and weird freaking prom poses, uncomfortable clients and subpar images, the posing minor is your new best friend. To see more and to join in on the magic, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. 
One more time, theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. All right. Uh, Amen. A lot of questions from Anna. Anna, you just ask good questions. (laughs) Anna also asks, how are the Florida plans coming along? Um, Okay. So for anyone that doesn't know this story, I'm just going to share it really briefly. But like I said earlier, we lived in Hawaii for three and a half years, and we just now moved back to Kansas, where we're from. Um, But in that process of moving back to Kansas, we left Hawaii at the end of January And we love traveling. We love adventuring. And our mode of transportation for that move was doing a cross-country road trip. And now we wanted to do that just to visit national parks because we love national parks. And the road trip was originally supposed to be like we fly from Oahu to LA and then just go from LA back to Kansas, right? Taking like a scenic route, but not like like more or less a direct route, which was going to be through Arizona, New Mexico, up through Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, right? We got to Arizona, and at that point, the house was nowhere near done, which lulls, because even when we got to Kansas, it was also nowhere near done, but I digress. Um, (laughs) But when we were in Arizona, we had so much time, and we, we thought we would be tired from this road trip, and we genuinely weren't. So we were like, you know what? Let's just, like, keep going. Like, I have... My mom lives in Jacksonville, Florida, and we had friends, um that were really close to us in uh, Flagler Beach, Florida. So a little bit south of Jacksonville. And which we were in Arizona at the time and we were like, this is kind of insane. But we we had friends in Dallas. We had friends uh, in Brownsville, Texas. Well, not even friends. That was family in Brownsville, Texas. Um, and we were like, why don't we just do a cross-country road trip and drive through the south all the way to Florida and then drive north and back up to Kansas. So that's exactly what we did. <laughs> which... Uh, it was a total God thing. Like the fact that that even happened. So basically long story short, we get to Florida and I don't even know how to share this story in a way that, that makes even logical sense, which is why I say it's a God thing because we had no plans literally whatsoever to buy land in Florida. Like, like not at all. Like literally we had just bought a house in Kansas and we're road tripping as it was being renovated. And we knew that Kansas was not a long-term vision. Like we didn't want to live there forever, but still like (laughs) it just was not on our radar. So anyways, we visited our friends, Ryan and Chelsea in Flagler Beach, Florida. And they had already owned six acres of land, just like raw land, five minutes from the beach. And behind them was another six acres of land that Chelsea's parents owned. Um, And they were showing us their land. They were like, yeah, we plan to build later this year. And it was so much fun. And I remember we were out to dinner like the last night we were staying with them. And Chelsea was like, yeah, my parents own that land, but they already live like five minutes away and they, they're they just probably going to sell it. So we're just probably going to have like strangers like living behind us in, on like this intimate land. It'll be fine. Um, and we were just like, oh, that's funny. Okay. And we got in the car and Andrew was like, what if we bought that land? But literally at the moment, we were just like, that's a funny idea. Um, but then literally, it it just was such a God thing because it kept coming back to us. And it was like such an astronomically weird thing. Like neither of us have ever had the urge to live in Florida. Neither of us have ever wanted to or foreseen ourselves living there. But yet at the same time, simultaneously, both of us separately were like, wait, no, really, we we should buy that land. <laughs> which again, like makes no sense except the Lord. The Lord is awesome. Um, And we were in a really strange, unusual financial circumstance to actually have been able to afford it at that time. So it it was just like such, I I keep saying this, but it was a God thing. Um, So basically long story short, we left, like we didn't say that anything to Chelsea and Ryan, but we left and we, uh, on the drive back up to my mom's house, we called them and we were like, hey, listen, do y'all like us as me as much as we like you? <laughs> cause we because we were considering purchasing that land from your parents. And literally Chelsea and Ryan freaked out. They were like, what? And they got so excited. And like Ryan was just like, you're punking me. I'm just refusing to believe this because it's too good to be true. So I'm just not gonna believe it. Uh and it was funny, but Basically, we got in contact with Chelsea's parents and bought the land. (laughs) It's 
So that's how that happened. But to actually answer the question of like, how's it coming along? Uh, nothing has happened yet other than like paying it off. Um, the plan is probably to, uh, mostly because the Kansas renovation has taken for freaking ever. And we actually, like, we want to like resonate and, and sit in this season of appreciating where we are in Kansas and really making this season of life what it is and not just trying to rush on to the next thing. So the plan as of right now, it could totally change. It could get pulled back. I don't know, but um, is to break ground or just even start the process of like slowly building our our house and like all that, or like getting the plans for the architecture and the design and all of that. Ideally, probably in like early winter 2022. So in like half a year, we'll see. But and then again, if the Kansas house has taught me anything. Houses take freaking much, 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 much longer than you expect them to. So I'm not expecting to live in Florida this time next year at all, at all. I'm going to, I'm going to put my site on like in five years. And then that way, when it happens before that, I'll be pleasantly surprised. That's the kind of pessimistic attitude that we're about here. Okay. (laughs) Anyways. All righty. All right, Keila asks, I'm curious how you think you identify what your God-given gifts are. How do you know what God is truly calling you to do and discern between what you think you want to do for the flesh versus what God wants for us? So, okay, that's a really, really good question. Um, That's just, wow, that's a really good question. So first off, I would say to the first question of like, how do you identify what your God-given gifts are? I want you to ask some questions to yourself. The first one is, what are you passionate about that you keep coming back to, right? Like things in life that you genuinely love, that you just like naturally gravitate towards. Um, what some? What are some type of things that you're interested in? That's another way to ask kind of the same question. Um, what are some talents that you naturally have that are easy for you that aren't naturally easy for other people? Like example, do you love teaching or speaking or do you love cooking or are you a boss at sewing? And like what type of things are people asking you to do that you're like, wait, everyone doesn't know how to do that. Like that's kind of a good indicator of, and that doesn't mean that like you can't learn a skill and become excellent at that. Because obviously like I was not born out of the womb being a photographer. I, I grew into that. However, I will say I naturally had a really good eye for photos and telling stories and telling stories visually. So I knew that that was naturally a talent even before I learned how to use my camera on manual. Um, and I think that that passion and talent for storytelling and speaking has then grown more into entrepreneurship now that my business has pivoted. Um, so that's kind of a personal example of just like, what do you love to do that you're either skilled at, but just comes so naturally easy to you that doesn't to other people? Um, and then the last question to ask yourself is, what lights you up and makes you so stoked on life about? And this doesn't have to be a skill, right? It could be a passion. Maybe you're passionate about healthcare. Maybe you're passionate about the homeless. Maybe you're passionate about human trafficking or about natural medicine. It it could be literally anything. I don't care what it is. But what just either lights your soul on fire to like like help or, or not even help, but to do or something that breaks your heart. So I I mean, an example like that I shared is homelessness or human trafficking, something that like just naturally like burns a a, a hurt in your heart, wow, words, burns a hole in your heart just because you're so on fire for it, maybe because you want justice for it or because it's something positive that you love or, or something like that. Ask yourself those questions and now ask yourself, how can I use the gifts talents and passions that I'm good at and the things that I'm interested in and and passionate about maybe fixing or or helping or whatever, how can I use that for the glory of God? Does that make sense? Um, because I think so often we think, oh, in order to follow God's plan for my life, like I have to work at a church or I have to be in ministry directly or I have to sell a Bible study or or I have to like, it has to directly relate to something that's faith-based. And man, I could go, I'm trying to get my breath (laughs) prepared for my tangent that I'm about to go on, but that's not true. Like all of life to the Lord is sacred. 
And God did not create Christians just to live in a Christian bubble and just to preach the gospel to Christians and work in churches. Like there are absolutely needs for Christians to work in churches and to be ministers and to create Bible studies, like absolutely. And the people that have gifts that align with that, yes. But God also created people with incredible skills for accounting, for contracting, for dentistry. Like he's created you with unique skills that you can apply to the marketplace and infuse your faith into that, which I think is what, I don't want to like pat myself on the back a ton, but I I feel like I've really tried to do that within one photography at first and now more entrepreneurship of just like being bold for the kingdom of God in the industry that I'm in and not shying away from that. Because like I said, we're not, Christians aren't supposed to be just like shut off from the world in our little Christian bubble as the world's burning around us and being like, well, we have the answer, but it's just, that's fun over there. Like, no, we're supposed to go out into the world, into every influence and and sphere of culture, into government, into politics, into healthcare, into entertainment, into business, all of the places and preach the gospel and be lights for the kingdom of God. So when you're, when you're thinking like, oh, okay, like how do I, how do I discern between what I want for my life versus what God wants for my life? I think it's also important to remember that he gives us free will and that it's not like an answer of like, oh my gosh, okay, okay, do I be a nurse or do I open my own business? One of these answers is of the Lord and one of them isn't. Like that's not, that's not the case. God creates us with talents and giftings. And yes, he has a plan for us, but I don't believe that that plan is a make or break situation based on the career that you choose at, at one point in your life. As long as it's like, obviously not like a career or a path that directly contradicts his word or that disobeys his law, right? Like that, that might be a different story, but as long as you're glorifying the Lord, doing whatever gifts or talents he's given you, like go off into that sphere of, of working or the marketplace or of influence and do it for the glory of God. Like that's where I come at it. And that's really how I, even from the beginning, I tried to use photography. Like, okay, photography in and of itself does not preach the gospel. Okay, that doesn't matter. How can I still be a light in this space? How can I show my clients love? How can I pray for my couples? How can I show up on a wedding day and be a service to my couples? And then that's obviously a photography example. Now that I do more business coaching and entrepreneurship and sell courses, how can I love on my students? How can I be a good steward of the Lord by giving a really good customer experience? I think honestly, a big reason why I'm so passionate about freaking good customer service is because if you're a, if you're a good business person you're literally following like the bible <laughs> it's true like you're literally following the principles of like proverbs of like stewarding little and then stewarding a lot like there's just like so much that like falls in line with the bible and good business principles but just like even customer service of like treating people well um like loving on people. Like I love that. And so anyways, I'm digressing. You get the picture. Basically go off into whatever sphere of life that you want, that you feel aligned with. And obviously ask the Lord for discernment, ask him to lead you and guide you, especially if you're in a season where you're like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what I'm interested in. Like ask him. And if he doesn't give you the answer right away, that's okay. Like start experimenting. When I first got into photography, I liked photography. I liked social media. I liked a lot of things, but I started experimenting and the Lord just like took my journey from there. So start experimenting, ask yourself what you're passionate about. And if you don't know what you're passionate about, start trying new things. That is my recommendation. All right. All righty. Last question. Here we go. Okay. It's from Katie. It says, Every time I post on Instagram for my business, I feel embarrassed and like I'm begging for attention. Is this normal? How do I stop? All right. We're gonna, we're gonna uh, gear up. We're gonna take a lot of breaths because I'm pregnant again. Um, Because Spitfire Lindsay is coming at you to end out this episode. Because this is such a good question, Katie. And I am, I am on my pedestal of Spitfire-ness ready to serve some truth. Okay. Are we ready? Okay. So the question, is it normal in the sense of like, hey, I feel embarrassed every time I post, is this normal? I think on one end, yes, it is normal in the sense of you're not alone 
in feeling that a lot of people feel embarrassed or like they're asking for attention by just posting on Instagram or showing up on their story or being like an influencer or like even acting like influencer behavior, right? And so a lot of people I think can relate to that. So on one hand, no, it's not un- unusual or or it is normal. However, I don't think it should be normal behavior. And here is why. I think you have to come to Instagram with a confidence that showing up and marketing a business to have a livelihood is not selfish. It's not self-indulgent. It's not asking for attention. Just like a dentist would put a billboard out on a freeway. That's not him asking for attention. That's him trying to get customers to make a living to keep the roof over his head, right? (laughs) So I think we have to remember that, first of all. And it, it does feel weird because, again, we look at like TikTok stars or we look at like social media influencers, and there is a line blurred in this day and age where it is, on one hand, people are sharing their lives, and it does, it, it can so easily feel like flashy, but it's also like so many businesses out there are using Instagram and social media to market their businesses, to make a livelihood, to pay for their college or their child's college tuition, to put a roof over their child's head like that. Do not feel bad. Do not feel bad for showing up online and marketing your service and and owning that, okay? First of all. Second of all, I think you have to have the confidence within you to know that you are worthy bar none. Because I think there is a place of insecurity or not being confident that is in this question, right? Like you feel like just you showing up is asking too much. And it's like, why? Why? Why is you showing up sharing about your dog or sharing about your life or talking to the camera? Why is that too much? I want you to ask yourself that because you have to know in yourself, especially as a business owner, especially as someone who's marketing online, you have to know that you are a child of the King. You have to know that you are a daughter or a son of Christ. And you, you have to stand firm in the foundation that God created you to be here right now in 2021 in this world right now. And he does not make a mistake. He did not make a mistake when you were born. He did not make a mistake by putting you in the in the area of life that you are in right now. He did not make a mistake with you. Okay, I want you to listen to that again or rewind it. If you're listening on an iPad or an iPod, like there's the 10 minute, go back. Yeah, do that. <laughs> God did not make a mistake with you, my friend. And you have to know that. You have to own that because when you don't have that confidence and it's not it's not arrogance and it's not saying like, oh, like, I have to, I have to like shoot, like be cool and like, blah. no, you don't have to like be flashy. It's just a quiet power and a quiet confidence to know that you are not being a burden just by showing up. You are not being a burden by showing up today. You are not being a burden by walking and, and asking for somebody to pay you money for a great service that you provide or a great product that you give. Right. And, and I, I want to say like, it doesn't mean that like, God created you to be a social media superstar. That's not what I'm saying. Like you can absolutely be confident and secure in who you are and just genuinely not give a dang about Instagram or social media in general. That's totally fine. However, this question said, I, I'm showing, I want to show up on Instagram for my business, but I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Like I'm begging for it. So it's like in that it's like, okay, there is a feeling of wanting to show up for my business, but then feeling like you're begging for it. So there is a difference between just like owning who you are and not giving a rat's ass about Instagram. But then also there's a difference of, okay, I want to show up because I know that it's good for my business, but I'm insecure or I'm feeling doubt in doing that. And so if that's where you are, I just want you to know that your lack of confidence is what's stopping you And that's where we got to do some heart work, right? That's where we got to like go to the root of the issue. Um, And something that I, I wrote this a long time ago. I'm trying to pull it up on my phone, but this is how I look at showing up. One, other than confidence in yourself, I think you have to have confidence in the product or the service that you provide. You have to know that it's life-changing. And even if it's clay earrings, I don't care. Look at that and say, how is this changing a woman's life when they buy it? Is it making them feel more beautiful? Is it making them feel like, wow, I can actually like leave the house today because I look like a rock star? Like, even if you think that something that you're selling is like a material item, 
there is a way that I don't care what you sell. There's a way that it changes people's lives. So you got to get down to the root of that. And so, um, I wrote this a while ago, but that kind of goes back to why showing up online for your business and for marketing it. Yes. You need to know that your business is like have confidence in your business in and of itself, but then also not stop getting in your head to not show up because you think that you're not worth it or you think that you're asking for it because that focus is on yourself. Instead, ask yourself every time that I let Satan into my mind or just negative voices into my mind tell me that I'm not good enough, someone out there suffers from not experiencing the joy and goodness that God created me to give them. Just gonna mic drop that right now because I want you to think about that. If you're stopping yourself from showing up and marketing your services or posting your life-changing words or your life-changing service or your life-changing product, if you stop yourself from doing that out of fear, somebody out there is going to be worse off because they did not receive the life-changing product or service or word or beauty or essence of who you are that God created you to give them. Okay? All right. We're done here. <laughs> Anyways, no, I'm, I'm just joking. But I really wanted to end with that today because I think there's just so much to unpack in that. And I just, at the core of everything, I want you to know that you're valuable, you're loved. God created you. He did not make a mistake on you. And he created you with gifts and talents to change the world, which kind of goes back, honestly, to the question before this of like, he created you to be a world changer. He created you to live and, and glorify him in your talents and in what you do. And that can be in any aspect. Even if you're a clear earring maker, I don't care. Like you can do that for the glory of God and do it well and know that you're changing lives through showing up and empowering people and being a person that is encouraging and loving on people. Like that is not selfish. That is not asking for it. That is not like begging for attention by sharing your clay earrings or your photography or your wedding planning services. Like that's not begging for it. So Anyways, uh, I've talked a lot. I'm a, I'm a stop. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I hope this was fun. I hope you guys liked it. If you did, uh, screenshot it and share it with me, especially cause it's a solo show. I just would like to know if y'all liked it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, screenshot it. You can tag me at Mrs. Lindsay Roman or the heart is at the heart university. Um, come join our heart and hustle Facebook group. Cause that's always fun. And that's where we, that's ironically where I pulled you for a lot of these questions. So, uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I hope you have a great one of wonderful rest of your day. And I need to go breathe because mama's pregnant and I got to rest. So anyways, I will talk to you later.